Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 118 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another weekend is upon us, or ending. Like I always say, I'm, it's kind of like I'm a time warp when I do these Sunday episodes, because I'm actually recording Friday after work. So, of course, the Islanders-Tampa Bay Game 7 has not been decided yet, and uh, so looking forward to seeing who uh, who wins that to the Stanley Cup Final to face the Montreal Canadiens, the, uh, who would have thunk it? I know my fearless predictions there last week, I had the Knights winning in 6, so that's why I don't bet on hockey, um, but yeah, imagine if we have an Islander-Montreal Final, It'll, people will think, what is this, the 70s? Um... But yeah, we'll, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't care. <laughs> it, I, it was funny. I walked into work today and a bunch of the coworkers were like, what did you think of Montreal winning? I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, whatever. You know. Okay. But oh, we can all, Canada has a team in the final. Like, you know, if we want to hold on to that illusion or delusion. But, uh. No, I mean, hey man, Price has played really well and uh, showing why he still got it. And uh, I laugh all the, of course, all the fucking armchair experts that uh, wrote him off and oh, Montreal should trade him and Bergeron should be fired and he doesn't know what he's doing and these guys suck and blah, blah, blah. Oh, now oh, they're the bestest. They're my favoritest. I knew Price still had it. Oh, yeah. The Price is right. No, fuck. Yeah, meanwhile, you, you're, you're ready, they were ready to run him out of town on the rails there a couple months ago, but, uh, fans are morons. I have, uh, it, it's funny, the longer, and then this is nothing new that listen anybody that listens to this show, I mean, it's nothing new, and, I mean, yeah, I know it's the same old, but it's like, I said, as I go on social media and, um, go on and on, and the more I read hockey Twitter and everything else, the more I've come to one, hockey fans are the biggest bunch of crybaby bitches imaginable. Uh, I I have a hard time believing that these are actually adults, and uh, and and literally, I you might cl- they might claim to be diehard hockey fans, but I don't think they know shit from apple butter about the game of hockey. They really don't. I I just listen to see their replies. Like, you, you know, you want to talk about, like, no original... But I guess you can't have any original thought when you have no real knowledge to draw from. 
you know, and they just parrot whatever the latest trend is, and we're going to get into that, the growing the game and the refs, and everybody's crying about the referees, and on and on. Of course, the the ex players that uh, you know have have the TV gigs, they gotta they gotta light the fire and everything else. Meanwhile, the other ones that don't have NHL, like they don't have TV jobs and just have normal everyday jobs, or are retired or just on Twitter rolling their eyes, you know calling these people pathetic, but the Mike Johnsons and Ray Ferraros of the world, I mean, I guess you gotta toe the company line, but, you know, it's just like a bunch of horse shit. But, we're gonna get into all that. But first, welcome, thank you for tuning in. Um, Like I said, this is episode 118. Um, I encourage you to check out my back catalog. Um, I've talked to John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, Joey Tedarenko, on and on. But my latest episode uh, on Wednesday, every Wednesday is interview day. Every Sunday, of course, is whatever this happens to be. Rant day, turn on my mic and drink some beer Drink some beer day or whatever. And uh, But Wednesday I had a returning guest, Dan Kopech on. And Dan's a great guest, and he told some great stories. And it was another one of uh, what I've what I've been trying to do get get the old guests back, and uh, and I call it the, their five toughest opponents series. And I've had Joey Tedarenko on, and Mick Morrow, and Riley Emerson, Mazer, Graf uh, do these do these type of shows. I Dakota Audgers. I just like having the guys back on and just to talk to him again and reconnect. But. Um, I, I had Dan on, and I believe his original episode that I had on, um, episode 14, I believe, uh, was the long-form interview I had with him where we go over his entire career, and he tells some great stories, you know, playing for Brophy and playing in the Quebec League, and down in, the, of course, the, the old SJ with the Weyburn Red Wings, and, and playing the Western Hockey League with Brandon and Spokane, and yeah, he told some great stories, and uh, I think he even says that, uh, I think it was either... I don't know if it was on the air or off the air that he told me this, but I know he felt a lot more comfortable this time around than he did the first time. So, uh, but yeah, he told some great stories of the five toughest opponents, and uh, I highly encourage you to check it out. Even if you're like, who, Dan Kopech, who, you know, don't worry about it. You, believe me, you'll know the guys he mentions. And uh, of course, he talks about the lead, playing for the legendary John Brophy in uh, Wheeling. And uh, yeah, tell some good stories, and I encourage you to check out the Dan Kopech interview. Um, also, if you're on, if you happen to be on social media, I don't, at this point, I don't know why you would be. I often, the only, John from the old hockey fight league, it was good to reconnect with you. Hello, sir. I know you're listening. Thank you very much for always supporting the channel. Um, but he just signed up on Facebook and all cool. Great to get back in touch with John. Had him on the show a few times. Um, but we were, I was, uh, I, I was mentioning to him. Uh, that I'm for, like, cause he, he got off Twitter and got all away from social media. And I said to him, I'm, I'm envious, I'm jealous. And I know I've had a bunch of people, oh, well, just quit then. Well, this is, that's the only way I can advertise my podcast is, uh, through social media. So I can't take a billboard out on the highway. So, uh, no, unfortunately, Twitter and Facebook are necessary evils, um, while doing podcasting. Um, I will say, and it would probably be better for me, and I do it to myself. I always, I, and, you know, do, you know, do as I say, not as I do type of thing. I always say, don't scroll. Just answer your notification, make your posts, answer your notifications, and, and shut it off. And you'll be good. Cause as soon as you start scrolling is when shit goes side, sideways. And you start getting mad about shit, whether it be about politics or the, 
vaccine or hockey or whatever, you'll start getting irritated. And uh, unfortunately with work, now and again, I have some downtime and I start scrolling and I get mad. Although at the same time, as I've said a few times, that results in content for this show. <laughs> so plus minus, I guess. But uh, yeah. But anyway, um, if you happen to be on social media, if you're on Twitter, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, as well as at Facebook, Fourth Line Voice, send me a request, friends request, uh, t- follower, whatever, and uh, definitely. And uh, also, if you're if you happen to be on Facebook and uh, the Enforcer Appreciation Group that was started by Alec at the Five for Fighting podcast, it's got about thirteen thousand members or something. Always something going on in the group, uh, you know, videos or, or uh, just discussions. Most of the time, fairly decent discussions, but as I will get on to, um, as you know how things go on the internet, and then eventually there's name calling and everything else, and apparently these are adults, but uh, uh, yeah, but they'll quickly be ousted out of the group and we'll shut that shit down. At the same time, we don't want a bunch of kiss-ass sycophants running around, so you don't have to agree with everything we're saying, But a healthy and a healthy discussion is good for everybody and keeps the board active and growing. Um, but I don't, I, as they, as, what is it, uh, Ned Carr would say, please keep it in the boundary of good taste, but, uh, is it Ned Carr? What the hell's that guy, what's the announcer's name? Jim Carr. Where the hell did I get Ned, Ned was I thinking Ned Powers from the Saskatoon Star Phoenix? Uh, Jim, Jim Carr, uh, would say keep the comments within the boundaries of good taste. But, uh, yeah, join that or the, uh, Hockey Fights, Hits, and Brawls page. That's uh, run by Clint. Uh, he, he He's quite the character, and that's, yeah, that's, that's quite the scene in there. But uh, definitely check that out. Um, I would say, you know, stay away from the Bob Probert fan club as most you can, despite being huge fans of Bob Probert. Um, because apparently if you don't suck ass and agree with everything they say, some I always laugh, these supposed a big alpha male, big bad hockey fight fans, they go and cry to the moderator or to tw- or to Facebook. I actually had a, a strike against me the other day for bullying. Yeah, because I, I told the guy to uh, stop acting like a fanboy child and have a reasonable discussion. That's exact words I used. Didn't swear, didn't say anything. I told him to stop be acting like an ignorant fanboy and stamp, stomping his feet like a child. And he went and complained to Facebook and I had a bullying strike put against me. You're a, if you're listening to this, you're a fucking loser. Like, oh my god. Like, just grow up. And there are so many people on that page. Like I said, they put up good pictures and stuff, and most of the members are fine, but the, the, the level of delusion on that page is unbelievable. Like, all oh, this guy goes, oh, other than that, you and fight, Bobby never lost. The king never lost. Like, do you know anything outside, like, Seriously, and you can like give them video, and it's like, no, no. I mean, I'm gonna get into that with the whole Stu Grimson thing here shortly, but um, yeah, it's it's just it's painful. Don't bother. They're they're morons. But uh, okay. Other than that, uh, well, before we get into the so the topics are gonna be, of course, this whole playoff refing debacle, growing the game horse shit theme that's taking over hockey Twitter right now. Um, a, Stu, a passage from Stu Grimson's book that that caused all oh, the Bob Probert fan club to 
uh, you know, go out. I'm surprised they didn't show up on Stu's front lawn with pitchforks and torches. They were so upset. And then, uh, and a follow-up to last Sunday, I did a topic. Uh, somebody had sent me a link and said, oh, you, you know, you always talk about doing lists on your show. This would be really funny. You should do this. And it was the 15 worst enforcers in NHL history. And I didn't look at the, I didn't click on the link and look before. I did it all on air. So it was an, uh, uh, honest reaction to the list you were got on the air. And, uh, yeah, it was quite the list. I mean, a few of the names I didn't argue with. I, you know, um, you always want to show the guys respect. It wasn't about that. It wasn't, like, I wasn't trying to degrade them or anything. I was just saying this, hey, this was an article. That, it wasn't my list. This was the article that was put out by sportster.com. I don't even know if that site's around anymore. But, uh, some Maggio guy, I think, wrote it in 2015. So it was like, all right, let's see what he wrote. Um, and it was interesting. It, it created a few comments. Um, to follow up with that, the same person that sent me the link to that sent me another link to the same website from the Sportster. And if this one is the top 20 enforcers of all time. So once again, I did not click on the link. I have no idea what their... Uh, what the list is, um, and I will open it, and we will discuss it on the air. Because, like I said, I have noticed over the the last two years of doing this show, um, interviews are the one are one thing. But I know my solo episodes, uh, where I do lists, uh, seem to garner more interest. So, um, and like I said, everyone likes lists, right? Um, I do have a topic. Uh, speaking of best enforcers of all time. <clears throat> I had I'd went on the Facebook pages and on Twitter and asked people a while ago to do the top ten LNAH uh tough guys of all time. And it was a hell of a list and it was a lot of fun to do. And got got like fifty some sixty responses, um twenty some players, ex players, so um so you had legitimacy to it as well. Uh so that was a really fun to do. So what I want to do now and I think it would be fun as the playoffs, well, the Stanley Cup final is going to be, as you're listening to this, the Cup final will be next week. Um, you know, as the as the dog days of summer are going to take over here and there'll be no hockey to talk about, current hockey to talk about or whatever, um, I think it would be fun to do some lists. I do have some player interviews lined up. I actually got off the phone with a cat last night. He's very excited to do the show. We just got to pick a time because uh, he's very busy. But I think you guys will really enjoy um, listening, listening to that. He has never, he has never done a pod. Actually, both the guys have never done podcasts that I know of. Well, one for sure hasn't. The other one, I don't think so. And, uh, I know in the, in terms of the minor league guys, they're big names. Like, you'll know who they are. And, uh, like the diehard fight fans. I mean, that's who's listening to this show. I don't think I have too many fair, fair, fair weathered fans listening to this show. Um, especially new age fans. Cause I spend the whole time taking the piss out of you. So, um, I obviously the diehard fight fans that listen to this show um, will know who these cats are. Hold on, once again, just like last episode, I don't know why I did that. I'm gonna turn the fan back on. I apologize in the audio now if you can hear the fan, but I mean it's about 30, 30 out here, and I'm kind of starting to sweat here in the back room, so I'm putting the fan on. Might mess up the audio a little bit, but you know. But, um. Yeah, so as the summer goes on, I think we'll do some lists. I'll have some interviews for you. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun. And at some point, uh, once the playoffs are over, 
Uh, we get into, I don't know when the NHL draft is. I'm assuming it's in July at some point. Um, after we get away from the draft, I think August there's that dead time when nothing's going on in hockey. I think that would be a real fun time to do the 5th Annual Bob Probert Invitational Tournament on Twitter. Uh, where it's uh, like a March Madness style bracket, 64 guys. Uh, you know, we do a, I do a random bracket. Uh, we draw names out of, like I have all the names, but I draw the matchups out of a hat. And or number computer number generator on the computer, and uh, and we just do voting, and it just boom 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 all the way down. And uh, of course, past winners were uh, McGratton and uh, Semenko won once, and blah blah twist, and um, yeah. So I mean, and they're a lot of fun to do, and uh, you know, and, and I just it creates some conversation during the like I said the dog days of summer and when hockey's not on. Plus, it's the old school guys and. Uh, you know, we're not going to be voting it like Evander Kane versus you know, whatever Scott Saborn. You know, like yeah, like some websites out there. I won't. Have, I won't have goalies in this one. Um, yeah, I don't have goalies in my tournaments. Like I said, done this for five years. Um, I know Danny Probert, Bob's widow, really enjoys it, and um, yeah, and like I said, it's named after because I didn't want to put Probert in the tournament. I always have to say this. Because, of course, he'd win, right? Everybody would vote for him, and he'd win, and what fun is that? So I'm like, okay, I'll name it after him. So uh, that's where that came from. So I will be, if you're not on Twitter, uh, I will give you the heads up. Sign up on Twitter. It takes a second to do. Just be the, just so you can vote. Just be the anonymous egg, you know, be egg boy number one, just so you can get your votes in. And we do it every day. We do a, a different um, section of the bracket each each day. And, um, yeah, and, and it's just a lot of fun. So that, that's coming up and, uh, yeah, so a lot of fun stuff planned for the summer. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, you know, every, as, as regular listeners know, I'm busy. We're trying to sell this condo and it's been slow going boys and girls. I'm telling you, only had a few walkthroughs and a few tire kickers and it's getting a little frustrating, but all it takes is one, right? But, uh. Hopefully it'll pick up now. You know, this is the last week for school, and today's the last day. So I know the wife's very excited about that. So I think they have one more day on the on Monday. Come back for the report cards, and then it's like beat it, and and uh, you know she can uh, she can enjoy some time off. But uh, so she's really excited for that. But um, getting back to the condo, I think uh, hopefully once the school's out, that might uh, free some folks up. Maybe we'll get some looks. I have no idea. I'm hoping. Like I said, it only takes one person, right? So. Fingers crossed. Uh, pretty slow going in the market around here right now, but uh, but yeah. So we're sort of in a bit of a holding pattern. I got all my stuff, you know, in, in my parents' basement, the in-laws' basement, and the Quans out at the in-laws' farm. You know, we got our stuff all over, and uh, you know, so we're sort of just sort of sitting here waiting. So uh, hopefully soon we can do that. But um, yeah, where am I? I'm all over the place. Oh, that was what's going to be the previews of the show, but uh, uh, I will do this. I obviously have to do this. Uh, like I said, proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows on the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Of course, then we'll be down to two podcasts after uh, after tonight. So uh, uh, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, all the NHL teams, I mean, the podcast, they might slow down a little bit in the summer, but they'll be talking about you know, whatever free agents or draft picks and what have you, whatever they decide to talk about. But, uh, 
Yeah, and uh, like I said, the, the network's branching off. There's a mental health show. Myself, Terry Ryan, were the original content. Lots of stuff to check out on the network, and I highly encourage you to do so. Um, also, for my off-network friends, Jolton Joel Lazito. Give her the Lazito. Of course, he's on the edge of his seat tonight. As I, you know, I don't want to, uh, I didn't send him, I didn't send Joe any messages today. I know he's, uh, you know, the fingernails will be down to the nubs and he, he's on the edge of his seat and, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, I'm sure he's slapped on his, uh, you know, well, cause of course Joe has the Coliseum Chronicles podcast. It's an Islander enforcer based podcast. Um, he's had great guests on in the past, Trevor Gillies, Aaron Asham, Mick Fakota on and on, um, Latest episode was uh, with Kevin Kaminsky, who isn't an, was never an Islander, but uh, of course he had him on to um, talk about playing with former Islanders, fighting former Islanders, and that type of thing. It was a different perspective on on, uh, on the on the topic, like I said, with the Islander based theme of the show, and it was really cool. And Kevin's a great guest, and hopefully, as I had mentioned the other last week. Um, Hopefully, I've talked to Kevin. Um, he's agreed to come on the show. Just got to set up a time and uh, and because, uh, like I said, Joe, it's not about Kevin. It's about playing with former Islanders and that stuff. So um, my show, obviously, with mine, it'll be dealing with Kevin's career. So um, really looking forward to that. Like I said, an old Saskatoon blade that I I when uh, I grew up watching at the old arena. So that would that'll be fun to talk to about uh, some of his old blades memories of playing with Twister and Chase and those guys. So that'll be a lot, that'll be fun. And, uh, yeah, so, but like I said, Joe does a great job, and Joe's a mogul, man, I mean, he's got merch, he's got everything, I gotta come up with merchandise, I gotta do what Joe's doing, but yeah, you've, uh, you know, he's got, he's got his face on everything, like I said, t-shirts, hats, uh, coffee mugs, pens, leggings, so I mean, like I said, I'm sure Joe, to relieve the stress today, got in front of the TV, did some yoga, you know, slapped on his, uh, Joe Lazito Coliseum Chronicle yoga pants, and uh, did some downward dog, and uh, you know, really, really focusing the zen, the zen, no, 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 you know. So, um, you know, you do drugs, Danny, but um, in a lumber yard, don't know where it is. Oh, you, you folks will know what I'm talking about. But yes, so like I said, Joe's got merchandise. Uh, definitely check that out. Grab it. Grab a grab a pair of uh, leggings or sweats or what have you, and sit on Joe's face. Yeah, Joe will definitely appreciate it. So, like I said, the uh, the Long Island legend Joe Lazito. <clears throat> hopefully, <clears throat> like I said, when it came to hockey, I don't give a flying rat's ass who wins. But uh, for this, for like I said, for for uh, for for team, I'll be on Team Lazito here. I'll cheer for the Islanders, and uh, you know, hopefully they can they can pull it out for Joe. And, uh, yeah, it'll be really interesting. And, because, uh, like I said, that'd be actually be really uh, kind of like a real heritage and nostalgic type of deal. The Islanders versus Montreal in the final. That'd be kind of interesting. So, we'll see what happens. So, but I know Joe will be, uh, well, by the time he listens to this, it'll be over. So, hopefully he's in a good mood. And, uh, but regardless, definitely check out Joe's show. Uh, does a great job. Good dude. Support Joe all you can. And, uh, yeah, I even put my name in at a New York bagel place. Something that they draw, they're giving away jerseys. So, if I already said to Joe, if I win, he can have my jersey. You know, and he can put his, uh, you know, whatever, shampoo 69 on the back or whatever he wants to put on the back. 
I think I believe Shampoo was the nickname of Mirius Tchaikovsky, was it not? Or was it Ziggy Palfi? One of the two Islanders was nicknamed Shampoo, and I know Joe was a big fan. So, yeah, you could put Shampoo 87 or whatever the hell numbers they were. I don't know. I don't. I don't follow. I don't follow that closely. But uh, no. So go go Isles. But definitely check out Joe's show. Also, Dan, Paul, and Kelly over at the Obey the Puck Show, and Fred and Dave at the Slewfoot Show. A couple current shows, and of course they've been humming along here with the playoffs. And uh, they also talk about the minors and women's hockey and whatever the goings-ons happens to be in the game of hockey. They will talk about it. And like I said, I listen to their show. I stay informed, but I, I thank them so I don't have to watch. But I always say that. Unfortunately, and I'm not even going to say it was for research. I just happened to fall into it ass backwards. I have run into having to watch a bunch of these playoff games. Whether I was at the in-laws a couple times and I saw some games... And then I was over at my parents' house on Saturday watching the, apparently just the travesty of the Knights Montreal. Oh my God, it's the end of the world. They're not calling anything. It's prison rules, according to Stu Gowan, the the Montreal writer. Prison rules. Oh my God. Like these candy asses are prison rules. Well, it's white collar prison, I'll tell you that. Holy fuck, are you serious? But, yeah. Okay, let, let's get into this horse shit. <clears throat> of course, the, the refereeing has been the subject of all the crying and whining on social media. And, as I said, I believe in the intro of the Kopech show, before I get tired of talking to Dan, I did a little blurb at the start. Um... I'm not going to lie, without a doubt, poorly refed, I will say, for sure. Um, now, I'm not going to whine, like, I'm not going to whine and cry to the extent of the New Age nerds, and and all these people crying about, call it by the letter of the law. That's all well and good, until it's your team that they're calling the penalties on, then it'll be brutal. Um, as I said, it's interesting, for the, all these people crying that the NHL wanted Vegas to win, Hmm. Now what? Now what theory are we going to go with in the final? Idiots. But, um, crying about the ref, crying about refing or umpiring or whatever, I mean, that's as old as the hills. Now, just, but now with social media, it gives every moron a platform. And, uh, the latest, uh, I always love these new age geeks. They're like, 19, 20 years old. Just call it by the rule book. Why why does the NHL have two sets of rules? Well, first of all, and I've said this a million times, because the NHL has two separate games. Go watch a playoff game in the NHL and then go watch a regular season game in the NHL. Tell me there isn't a difference. Why do you think all these old school fans, they're all like, I don't really watch anymore, but I'll tune in for the playoffs because then that's when it gets good. Yeah, because everybody starts giving a shit and actually hitting, you know, and have, playing with some fucking emotion. Well, kind of, you know. And, uh, yeah, because in the regular season, oh, let's sleepwalk through this shit. So two rule books, I'm like, well, yeah, because it's like, there, there's, yeah, there's, you know, what happens in the regular season? Bunch of nothing, you know. And the playoffs, and 
no referee. Oh, see, this is the thing. No referee wants to be the cause. Nobody wants to call a penalty, and and nobody wants to decide a game on the power play. As much as you geeks don't don't goals are exciting, and that's what sells, and whatever other bullshit you come up with, you fucking idiots. Like, oh yeah, then the All Star Game must just be the highest rated game of the year. Shut up. You know, no, it's not goals that sell the game. It's emotion and passion that sell the product. Once again, but no, it's because if it's not fucking Xbox like, it's oh my god, it's terrible. Oh, and in the regular season, oh, I I'll handle this in the regular season. Guys hanging out of water skiing. You don't even know what that means. But oh, somebody Ken Campbell wrote it once, so you just latched onto the phrase. You know, I'm laughing because I'm looking at this kid's pro. He's eight because he had his birthday in the thing. He's 18 years old. Oh, and he's talking about oh prison rules and all this stuff. And we need to get this out of our game. Oh, our game. Oh, yeah. So you're 18. Okay. So when do you start forming actual? Like say 10. You know, 10 years old. So, so what, literally 2012, 2013 is when you, like, really started having a a knowledge base of hockey? Oh, yeah, you know, the prison rules. Like, if you, and, like, that writer from Montreal, the drama of it all, prison rules, or a glove punch to the face in front of the ref. Now, should he have called it? Yeah. But let's calm down like everybody talks. Like, oh, it was a Mike Tyson-like right hand. Oh, it was a friggin' love tap. Like, what is this, your sister kissing me? Oh, but of course, oh, I can't believe that that happened in front of the ref. And oh my God, it's just terrible. Blah, blah, blah. And oh, they get all the... Yeah, well, if that's what they want, the star players being abused. And oh, yeah. Oh, it's just on and on the crying. But prison rules... This little cupcake, you've watched hockey for about eight years, and you think this is prison rules. I laugh, because what game was I watching? I was watching it the other night. Maybe it was that much. It was the Islander game, that one Islander game. Oh, if the refs don't start getting a handle on this, it's going to get out of control, the announcer says. Who the fuck is going to get out of control? What is Barzell or Nelson going to snap? Like oh oh yeah don't don't get Brendan Gallagher wound up or uh, you know Nick Suzuki oh shit might hit the fan holy shit you know oh yeah it'll be it'll it'll harken back to the Flyer uh, Montreal brawl in '86 Nylon and Brown oh shit can get out of control like oh I like I said I just I can't get over the drama like I guess you got to sell the product but. But the thing is, is the of course this little goof that was talking, he listens to the game and he's listening. To, oh yeah, they don't call it, you know. And he thinks he these people on Twitter, these new age nerds, legit think something's gonna happen. Oh, oh, the start. They'll just get some. They they won't be happy till someone is really hospitalized or killed. With some of the tweets, oh. They barely hit. And that's another thing. Whoever the guy is doing the hit stats, he must be using new math or something. Because we, I was watching that Montreal game the other night. Oh, yeah. 
what was it at the end of the game? 80 hits or or 50 hits or something? Are like guys like for the year? What what game are these guys watching? Like what's a hit nowadays? Like are you shitting me? Like they might have bumped a couple times. Oh no! Got to have the scrum after the whistle, and everyone talks tough, and you know, oh, I, I got, I got to see Pat Maroon dangle his gloves one more time. Like, oh yeah, you know, whatever. And I like Maroon, but fuck, give me a break. You know, like, who the fuck's scared of Pat Maroon? Really? Like, I'm not knocking the guy. I like Pat Maroon, but holy shit, like. People talk like all of a sudden it's Tony Twist is amped up and ready to go. All of a sudden Joe Terrio is on the ice. Like, oh yeah. You know, but what what are we doing? Oh, if they don't get it under control and no prison rules and they just amp this horse shit up. Oh, it's 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 a step above fucking rec league level intensity. Seriously. And I mean I'm not trying to be the bitter I don't watch fuck hockey. I'm not trying to like I'm not, this isn't a gimmick. Not like some shows where I'm just going to act angry but make no sense. I'm seriously, people listening, if you're a fan of this, whatever, a Montreal on the island, who's going to do anything? Do you really think something's going to, who's going to snap? Really? Like, no one is going to snap. Or Montreal and Vegas, like Reeves, maybe. That'd be the only guy. You know, and even then, in his history, outside of his little suspension, of course, he dropped him, and he didn't—he didn't do anything. But what a horseshit suspension! But what's Reeves done over the course of his career that would—that would all of a sudden he'd snap? That I'm aware of, or Matt Martin or Maroon. What have they ever done when they've snapped? You know, like all of a sudden someone's going to go Brian Wells on somebody. You know, no. It's like, are they going to? Like Antoski into Martinson's penalty box is that is that going to happen? Are they going to get down on all fours and bark in front of the penalty box, waiting for the guy to get out like Lakovic? Probably not. So when I when I see these headlines, prison rules, and all this shit, it's it's very amusing. But the biggest one is is now that the media is latched on to, well, this is the problem with poor refing. It doesn't grow the game. People don't want to see this. They want to see scoring. I said, how much fucking scoring do you need? Like in the regular season, the, David averaged two points a game. There was a bunch of guys with the 56-game schedule this year instead of the normal 82. I can't where, where fuck, where's my list? Was it 10 or 15 guys had 60 some points and there was a bunch of guys in the high 50s? Well, add 20, what, 26 games to that. So, maybe another point a game. Now all of a sudden we got a whole bunch of guys in the 90s, 80s, a couple guys in the 100 point range. Point territory. How much more scoring do you need? This isn't goddamn, this isn't the all-star game. There are, there's a couple guys at the either end of the rink trying to stop this shit. So this idea that, oh, they just get hung on and water skied. I love that one. Look, that, try to figure out what that means, Junior, then get back to me. Like, you go on and on about all this obstruction. What obstruction? And even in the playoffs, there's guys, some guys got 27 points. Yeah, it was in a blow, but they're still scoring. Like, there's guys point a game. How much scoring do you think needs to happen in the playoffs? Yeah, teams are going to clamp down defensively. More, oh, here, here my, my, 
my analysis thing, but more sticks and lanes and more guys blocking shots because they'll actually give a shit in the playoffs. So, of course, pucks aren't going to go through. But, oh, no, because this one couple games where they didn't call this, this, and this. So you cherry-pick a few things. Well, if they just called it by the rule book. Oh, yeah, because that's what everybody wants. As somebody pointed out, um, it was, uh, oh, son of a bitch, who was it now? Because now, because then the fans started, it was Mike Rupp. Said all these people bitching and whining and complaining. Has anybody, have you heard any of the players say they don't like this? Active players said no. So, of course, somebody has to reply back. Well, you never even played in the playoff rough and blah, blah, blah. You were on the bench and, yeah, that that's the level of, like, mentality where, yeah. Like I said, Hurricane Boy 69's arguing with Mike Rupp about what the players want. <laughs> yeah, because, like, Rupp wouldn't know anybody and none of the players. He wouldn't talk to any of them. Like he said, the players have the power. To get the rules changed. Go through the NHLPA and in the, in the meetings get the, the rules changed. You notice none of that's happened? Why? Because the only ones crying are the media and the diehard nerds. Because their team got eliminated. Because all the Montreal fans, these refs were terrible up until Montreal won the game. Then all of a, you know, now all of a sudden they're not saying anything. And then Ray Ferraro, oh, they have, the, the uns, it, it rewards the unskilled players. Who the fuck are all these unskilled players in the league? I, di- I didn't realize Wayne Van Dorp and uh, Tory Robertson and Jay Caulfield made a comeback. You know, Brian Curran back there on the blue line for the Islanders? Unskilled? All these guys could skate like the wind. Oh yeah, you might have, re- go, yeah, go have a, you know, go have a, a, a foot race with Ryan Reeves, see how slow he is. Are you shitting me? Unskilled. What the fuck? But of course, Ferraro, of course, I forgot on his Twitter handle, the two, the three initials in front of his name, TSN. Oh yeah, so, old Ray Ray, you gotta pander to the nerds, do you? So you gotta get the calculator posse on your side. Like, oh, how much scoring do you need? People don't tune in to see people getting hung on and no calls and people don't fucking tune in anyway. You know why? Because it's boring as shit. Like outside, if you're not a fan of either of these four teams playing, or we're down to two fans, you have diehard hockey fans that won't watch, because it's not my team. Oh, so you must really love the game then. You don't even watch because it's not my team. So outside of that, the diehard fans aren't even watching. And why would some... You want to grow the game? That horse has left the barn, man. Your only hope now, to grow, obviously, to grow the game, yeah, is to get younger people that, like I said, the idiot there that's 18. Yeah, he'll gravitate to this shit because he doesn't know any different. He's never seen it actually played the right fucking way. Where it was actually exciting. He grew up in the pond hockey bullshit. No, he might think it's great. But talk to anybody that's actually been around in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. They just roll their eyes. You guys have listened to my show. You've listened to the guys I've had on the show. Unless they have kids, none of them are watching. Why is that? These guys dedicated their lives to playing hockey and playing it professionally. They don't even watch. 
but oh, but oh, we gotta we gotta cater to Gallagher fan number one on Twitter. We our game, yeah, these clowns. And hey, I guess I mean that's uh, yeah. And on the other hand, I mean that's the audience. That's your audience of the future. See, that's the thing. I guess with hockey right now, I guess we're in that weird time where you know they've people my age, say thirty and older, you've alienated with this shitty product, and the people thirty and under are just this is what they grew up with, so they think it's great. So there's a real dynamic in the in the hockey world. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not, a paint, everyone over 30 hates it. Again, I'm not paintbrushing everything and whatever. But the younger generation doesn't know any difference, so it's not their fault. I'm not going to yell at them for that. And the older generation just stopped watching. And it's a weird time. So as, I guess, as the, you know, as time marches on and, you know, and it comes full circle to when the 18-year-old is now the 40-year-old. So now you'll have a built-in audience that grew up on this pond hockey shit. So all your core dedicated fans will think this is really great. But I I don't know, like I think hockey loses fans and older fans in droves every year. Cuz they just and it's not cuz I I will say this right now and I will challenge anybody listening to this. In all your years when you talk to people because like I said, I have lots of friends that I talk to that don't watch anymore. Like I said, all the players that I've interviewed, 85% of them don't watch anymore. All the ex-players that I've talked to privately on Twitter, most of them, unless they got league, like I said, unless they got hockey jobs, most of them can't stand watching hockey or they'll watch it the odd game because their kid likes it. But for the majority of them, all those people, every one of them, not one, has ever said, oh, I don't tune in because the refs are bad. The refing killed it for me. None of them have said that. So what the fuck Ray Ferraro is whatever talking about, and Jennifer Botterell, and, oh, you grow the game because the violence, and that's not going to sell, and what... You know what? Now that I, I... I made fun of her a few episodes ago for bringing that up, but now that I think more about it and reading... Hockey Twitter that I like I do I scroll the comments again don't scroll but I need I have to because I need the content yeah these fucking geeks that watch now are, it's probably true that the violence does scare them because they legitimately think like Matt Martin and them are really mean and I like Matt Martin and all these guys but I, I don't care how mean it gets these last few years it's fucking Sunday school compared to 80s and 90s hockey and that's not just me being old and yelling at clouds and all the good old days and history's revision. No, it's true. Like, when you when you grow up with Probert and Twist and Kelly Chase and Kevin Kaminsky, Sasha Lakovic, Mel Engelstad, Frank Bialois, don't sit and tell me that Pat Maroon and Matt Martin and uh, Corey Perry or whatever and all these guys are, it's prison rules. Like, are you, like, you'll get fucking laughed at. But these new age geeks really think that this is real mean hockey and this is just savage, bro. And they need to control it. Like, oh, God. It's embarrassing. 
but it, it's it's definitely for the younger generation, and I get and the, and that's your future um, fan base. So I could I guess you tailor made you're 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 making the tailor making tailor made tailor trying to say tailor made, but I guess you're 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 making the game for them, and I, I and I understand that. But at the same time, I've never seen a league alienate their old fan, their old, their older core fan base as much as the NHL has. And like I said, you can go on about two sets of rule books. Yeah, it has, but the gameplay is entirely different too. And like I said, the NHL is the only other, is the only major sport that I've ever seen. Come playoff time, it completely changes. Baseball doesn't change. Football doesn't change. Basketball doesn't change. But hockey, you watch that, it's completely... You watch a game now and compare it to a game in January. It's completely different. So, the the dynamic is completely different. Not only from the players, but from the referees as well. You know, and you know, and they, and they at the same time, you, you have your old school fan base that's still around... That it's like, hey, playoffs, that mindset of putting the whistles away, let the boys play. The players want that. The players want the whistles put away. Problem becomes is what line do you get to before it becomes like, are we not, like, and there was, there was a few plays, like, yeah, the guy punching the guy in the face right in front of the ref and no call. Yeah, I mean, even I was like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like, I'm not sitting here saying, don't, don't call anything. I'm not saying that either. I'm not that moronic. But yeah, you gotta let them play because no one wants to win on a power play, or the refs don't want the game decided on a power play. I mean, the winning team that scores on the power play will love it, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? The players don't want it decided like that either. So, and I guess this is the conundrum that the league is in, because as much as they try to hold on to that old school, old mentality, like when they when the hockey didn't counter before the playoffs, they play the montage of the. You know, Bobby Clark with no teeth with the cup and guys bleeding and Wendell or Gilmore or Clark and McSorley and, you know, and all, and all that, the Broad Street bullies and the Islanders and the hitting and the hatred and all that. And they put it in these montage, you know, to enter Sandman. Everybody's like, yeah, they got all pumped up. All that shit scares the shit out of these 18 year old fans. They don't like that. That's me. Hell, last year they, somebody cried about the montage. Do we really need to show guys getting physically hurt because their family watches that? And this is where we're at. So at the same time, this is the future fan that the league has to cater to because that's their bread and butter in 10 years. But at the same time, you have the older fan like myself or whoever, Joe Lazito or whoever's listening that still watches periodically. They got to try to cater to them a little bit. So they try to maintain this old school theme and that's I can guarantee that's what Peros is trying to do. I know everybody loves shitting on George, but you don't think he's trying to cling on to some old school hockey like what he played and grew up with? Of course he is. But he gets constantly shit on by the new age geeks. You ever notice most of the suspensions, if you happen to be on social media, go read the I don't know who's ex players that are really bold a Barnaby or an Avery or PJ Stock or or what have you or these guys that do podcasts Listen to them, what they say about these suspensions. They're like, fucking nothing. It's a bunch of nothing. The players don't give a shit about that stuff. But of course, the new, again, the 18 year old Hurricane Boy 69, we need to get this out of the game. He's the one that's crying about it. So the NHL is, like I said, they're at a crossroads right now, trying to 
keep this old school mentality while catering to these their next generation of fan. And it, and and what have you done? You've just created a fucking shitstorm of a mess, and everyone's mad. Because I've always said the toothpaste is out of the tube. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. It's it's never gonna like you see some of these guys in the enforcer group or whatever. Oh, they're gonna bring the enforcer back, or they're gonna no, they're not. Like stop, they're gonna get rid of the instigator rule. No, they're not gonna get rid of. It. And so what if they did? Who's who the fuck's gonna fight anyway? Like in that fucking Tampa Bay Islander blowout outside of Martin, who was gonna fucking fight in that blowout? Like all of a sudden we're talking like, oh, they're gonna send out the fourth line and we're gonna have you know split screen fights like they did back in the old Boston Montreal days. The fuck are you talking about? Half these teams didn't even have five fights all year. You think they're gonna start fighting in the playoffs? Like no playoffs, you know? Yeah, I mean, Martin fought Shannon or whatever. They had their little fight and whatever. I mean, now and again, there's been a couple tilts. I think Maroon and Martin did... Well, I know they broke it. The rest broke up the one fight. Like, oh, God. You know? But I think they might have fought once. But outside of that, who the fuck? No one's going to fight. Well, it's because of the instigator rule. No, it's because they're pussies. Fuck, like, you guys talk like if they got rid of the instigator rule, all of a sudden we're going to go back to the Paul Laws 40 fight days or something. Like, fuck no. The only thing that there might pick up a few fights is if that stupid instigator in the third period rule. That might change a few things. You might get a few more fights from that. A handful. But other than that, no. Fuck, nothing's going to change. It's over. It's over. You wait until Reeves and all, all, all these guys that I love, all these big fight fans and these enforcer groups that love to shit on Reeves and Wilson and all them. Wait until they're gone. See what's left. You wait until the Brent Gallants of the world retire and, and Ryan Reeves and Wilson. You'll see how much you're missing Reeves when he's gone. And Martin and Maroon and all these guys. Like they're all on the shady side of 30. So, who's coming? You tell me who's coming to replace them. No one. It's over. And I'm not trying to be the drama queen. Here I'm going on and on about the other guys being drama. I'm not trying to be the drama queen. But all you guys in this group, you clearly don't watch any junior hockey. Go watch junior. Who's the big kingpin in the OHL with their three fight rules? And their junior A with three fight. Oh, the heavyweight champ. He has four... Five career fights and three years of junior. Oh yeah, he's ready to kick ass and take names in the NHL. Are you shitting me? Fuck. Anyway. I can't believe I rambled for 50 minutes about that horse shit. Is that it? Oh no, that list. Right, right, right. Okay, hold on. Uh, Alright. Let's bring this up. Check my email here. Um. All right, here we are. Yeah, the Sportster. I don't even know if this is a website anymore because this article is written in 2015. Oh, it's a different guy, though. Alex Schaefer. The top 20 greatest fighters in NHL history. Okay, let's let's see here. Over the, rules, over the years, the rules have been instituted to restrict how and when fighting takes place. The third man in ejection rule was implemented in 1977. 
to prevent all-out line brawls that plagued the NHL throughout the early 70s. Oh, you'd think they'd plague it in 2021, the way the announcers talk. Uh, the league further curtailed fighting before the 92 season by implementing an instigator penalty. Not Bat- Gary Bettman, by the way, everybody. Uh, for players that deliberately, not that I'm trying to stick up for Bettman, but I know he gets somehow gets blamed for it, but it wasn't him. It was Gil Stein. Uh, deliberately provoke opponents into a fight, yet fights, both premeditated and spontaneous, still break out routinely in hockey games. Uh, routinely is not the uh, adjective I would have used, but uh, an adjective? Verb? No. We'll say word that I would have used. As players attempt to adhere to the code, oh god, that is kept amongst themselves. Yeah, it's amongst themselves. For being unwritten, people like to write about it. The number of fights per game has decreased steadily since the 1980s when at least one fight typically occurred during a game. In the current season, fights have occurred in only 38% of the NHL games, and that was six years ago. Yeah, well, the NHL restricts restrictions have certainly curtailed fighting significantly. The role of the enforcer remains a valuable asset for teams to have. Oh, it's so valuable there's three of them in the league. This list features the best fighters in the history of the sport, many of whom have impact and provoked changes to the rules of the game. These men have had a long-lasting, will have a long-lasting legacy on the sport of hockey and sacrificed immensely to defend their teammates. Wow, what a build-up. All right, here we go. Top 20. Number 20, Gordy Howe. The Gordy Howe hatcher goal assist to fight a single game. Namesake, a namesake, a namesake of it must be included in any of the lists mentioning the great NHL fighters. Howe was not the most frequent fighter due to his immense skill and doing just about everything else on the ice, but Gordy was certainly not afraid to drop the gloves. Howe's most famous fight came against Rocket Richard in a rare battle between superstars that is widely talked about today. Mm, it is? All right. I always thought it was the Fontenotto fight that was highly talked about, but okay. Howe had also a notable fight with Fred Shiro that had to be broken up by Madison Square Garden police when the two continued brawling in the penalty box. Well, uh, how many, I believe somebody said Gordy Howe actually had the Gordy Howe hat trick like once, I think. Once or twice. But I think he was only in about 23 career fights. And of course, you know, when you play 20 some years, um, but yeah, I mean, there's no denying, I mean, all the old guys talk about Gordy, how tough he was, but fighting really obviously wasn't as frequent back then as it, as it was in the eighties, nineties and whatever. Like there was no enforcer or anything like that. So, um, you know, completely different mindset back then, but, uh, and there's no video of how fighting. So I can't, you know, there's no he was good, bad, or otherwise, because, I mean, you'll get the old guys that'll wax poetic, and, you know, I mean, no, oh, Gordy was the greatest in this one time, and that's all, yeah, you know, like I said, the, as the years go on, the tails get taller, but, you know, I'm not denying Gordy was tough, but, you know, I mean, a few, a few months back on this show here, we, there was that debate on the, in the Enforcer group, Gordy Howe or Bob Probert, and all these people are taking Gordy Howe, and it's like, come on, you seriously think Gordy Howe was going to take Bob Probert in a fight? Like, Jesus, yeah, all right. Okay, anyway, Gordy's number 20. Number 19, Dave Semenko. Semenko had notable feuds with Tim Hunter and Basil McCrane also fought an exhibition bout with boxing legend Muhammad Ali. That is true. During his 10th season, he fought 87 times, lifted the Stanley Cup twice. Although never a prominent goal scorer, Semenko managed to score the final goal in the history of the Western or the World Hockey Association. That's true. Um, 
one thing I, the the thing I will say about Semenko, um, he was that to me he was never that great of a fighter. I I think vastly overrated as a fighter. But in having said that, I believe Semenko, in my opinion, was, was one of the greatest enforcers of all time, which is a completely different thing. Fighting and enforcing is completely different, at least in my mind. Like, he didn't, like, there was a reason Gretzky and Curry and Messier and Coffee and them weren't fucked with. It was because of Semenko, who would do anything necessary to get his point across. So he was great at that. And Marty McSorley, of course, picked up the torch and learned from him on the job training. Marty has said that a few times. And uh, Semenko was great in shepherding him and teaching him the role. And McSorley went on to be one of the greatest enforcers ever. But yeah, number 19, Semenko. Now, well, there we go. Number 18, Marty McSorley. Yeah. McSorley won two Stanley Cups with the Oilers and racked up 32 fighting majors over those two campaigns. He would lead the league in any, he would lead the NHL in penalty minutes in 92-93. McSorley also, also participated in an epic 100-second duel with, I've never heard it put as a 100-second duel, with Bob Probert, one of the greatest hockey fights in hockey history. It's very true. Um, yeah, and unfortunately with Marty, he always he, he'll get remembered for the Brashear thing. Um, you know, when what the, everybody always brings that up, but you know, at the same time, I mean, everybody forgets he, you know, he played nine hundred and some games before that. So, and he had to help Marty again, one of the best enforcers ever. Uh, did whatever it took to protect his teammates, and uh, yeah, I love Marty. Marty was great. Number seventeen, Tony Twist. Okay. Well, never much of a contributor on the offensive end of the ice. Tony Twist mastered the art of throwing hands. Um, Twist was known to battle the league's biggest and baddest fighters, taking on fellow enforcers like Rob Ray, Bob Probert, and five five fights against Bob McKenzie. Wow. I don't think Bob McKenzie would want to fight Tony Twist five times. Obviously, Jim McKenzie. Who, uh, who, twi- who took rounds out of Twist a bunch of times. Yeah, I, Twist always had problems with Jim McKenzie. Jim always did really good against uh, Tony. Um, his NHL career ended when he broke his pelvis in a motorcycle accident. Yeah, that really sucked because he was a he was right in the prime of his career, and uh, he had a was it a, ah I got to talk to Jamie Rivers because I know Jamie former is is like Twist's best friend, and he was uh, he was set to be one of the highest paid enforcer in the league, and I want to say it was either the Bruins or the Flyers. Had the offer on the table, and because uh, he was a free agent, and uh, all was left was for him to sign it, and uh, that, and then he got into that motorcycle accident, so which totally sucked, man. Like, you know, I, you know, I feel for him to to just have your, you know, it's hard enough for these guys when they retire and what to do, but when it's suddenly taken away from you when you're at the peak of your career, that's got to be mentally that's a tough road, and uh, but you know he's got his businesses and it looks like he's doing really well and. And everything, and um, but yeah, I think I'd have yeah, I'd have I myself, I'd have twist higher than seventeen. I'd have mixed early higher than eighteen too. But sixteen, Donald Brashear, I'd have Brashear higher than sixteen too. And I can't stand Brash, but hey, Donald Brashear is one of the most entertaining and dominant enforcers of the modern era. While dominant, yes, entertaining, mm, no. Brashear used his size and skill to overwhelm opponents, which led to him. Frequently being included among the league leaders and fighting majors. He was involved in over 200 fights in his NHL career and continues to ply his trade in the Swedish Hockey League. Yeah, he did go over there for a little bit. When he retired from the NHL, Brashear was 15th all-time in the league's penalty minute list. He's also participated in boxing and MMA matches. 
Yeah, and I mean, he went over and he played in the Quebec League in the LNAH, I don't know, three or four seasons. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, Brashear is really polarizing. I mean, a lot of guys hate him. Um, a lot of guys dismiss him. And, uh, which to me is foolish. I wouldn't, like I said, I'm not a Brashear guy. Um, but I'd have him in my top 10 of all time. Guy didn't lose many. I mean, you could say whatever you want, but proof's in the pudding. Go back and watch the videos. You know, once he got rolling, once he got to Vancouver, you know, he's a little shaky in Montreal, but, uh, once he found his groove and got into it, and like I said, you grow into the role, and, uh, yeah, he was something. <clears throat> That's what I love about these lists. Number 15, Matthew Barnaby. Oh, tremendous. I laugh because, uh, clearly the two guys that wrote the article for sports through here did not, uh, 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 bounce some ideas back and forth. They, they didn't, uh, there was no communication between the two camps because in the 15 worst enforcers, Barnaby was in that list too. So he's either the best or the worst. I don't know. But yeah, I wouldn't call Matthew Barnaby an enforcer to begin with. Um, he did his job great and he did fight a lot. Um, well, like they said, Barnaby was involved in 205 fights over the course of his career. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when he fought old line, Domi, uh, Chara, um, yeah, I mean, Grimson, Fedora, all those guys. Um, Barnaby, for his mouth and everything else, um, yeah, he never back. I like Barnaby, but, I mean, you know, dude was 185 pounds, and he was an agitator, third-line agitator, and uh, he did his job great, and he played a long time. But, uh, yeah, I, w- <laughs> uh, I wouldn't put him on an enforcer list, let alone the 20 greatest of all time. Number 14, Dave Brown. Well, I'd have, I have Brown in my top five, but okay, 14. This is, if Dave Brown's 14, I can't wait to see who's in the top five. Uh, during his heyday, the enforcers in the 80s, Dave Brown entered the scene as an immediate heavyweight contender. Very true. Standing six foot five, Brown was an intimidating figure on the ice and continued the Broad Street Bulls, Bullies legacy. Uh, accumulated 148 fights in his career. He must have won a Stanley Cup during his tenure in Edmonton. Did he? Well, he said he did, he did. Oh, yeah, I guess... Huh, yeah, 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 he did. I forgot, I completely forgot Brown played for the Oilers when they won the Cup, yeah. Uh, Brown uh, accepted his role as an enforcer and faced and faced off against fellow tough guys like Grimson, Ojek, and Jay Caulfield, whom he fought nine times during his career. Really? Hmm, I did not know that. I mean, Caulfield, and that's funny, because Caulfield was voted the worst on their other list, but... I, I, well, and I said, and I believe, I hope I said that even on the last episode, but, um, the one thing, like, Caulfield had nuts, without a doubt. It wasn't like he was some chicken shit. I mean, he, his fight card was good. Just, you know, balance was terrible, but, yeah, to fight Dave Brown that many times, yeah, you get bad, you got stones, man. But yeah, I think I'd have Brown, I think I'd have Brownie a little higher than 14. Number 13, Terry O'Reilly. Yeah. Terry O'Reilly spent his entire career in Boston. Uh, with fiery protect, with teammates, but he also had a scoring touch at uh, 204 goals and 402 assists. Yeah, 600 points, man. Um, O'Reilly famously led the Bruins charge over the glass at Madison Square Garden. Um, yeah, of course, you know Milbury always gets the shit for beating the guy with the shoe. I always laugh. Nobody ever brings up O'Reilly, but he's the one that started the whole thing. But um, had five bouts against Dave Schultz, Tory Robertson, Tiger Williams were provided. He's capable of going toe-to-toe with some of the toughest players in hockey. Yeah, O'Reilly was fearless, man. He was awesome. A great player. Um, 
what's, what can you say about Terry O'Reilly? I mean, people listening to this show, I mean, I don't have to sell Terry O'Reilly to the listeners. I love Taz. Number 12, Clark Gillies. All right. Throughout his career, Gillies may not have been the most frequent fighter, but he made a tremendous impact with the Sab- with the Islanders and Sabres. I don't know about the Sabres, but um, he, helped the sta- he helped the Islanders win four Stanley Cups in the early 80s. Uh, Gillies had a remarkable sc- scoring ability as well as fighting skill and toughness, netting 304 goals during his NHL career. Um, after his first bout ended in an O'Reilly victory, Gr- Gillies recovered to wreck O'Reilly in the second bout, which sparked an Islanders to victory. Uh, Gillies inducted the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2002. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I love Clark. Like, I was a, I shouldn't say I love Clark. I like Clark Gillies. I, I mean, it's before my time. I don't really, but he was fine. I mean, power forward guy scored, fought. I mean, how do you not like the guy? Um, but yeah, there is no way he should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I, mean, I don't know about that. Hey, I'm like, I'm not, I'm pumped. He's like, okay, cool. He's in it. You know, whatever. It wasn't like I was going to petition the place or anything, but yeah, you know. They they opened up um, a can of worm by doing that. I mean, like like that, and then it's like a guy like Rick Tockett isn't in yet, and it's like you know, and Tockett had way better numbers than Gillies, and it's just like, man, yeah, we'll see. Number eleven, Rob Ray. I mean, I love Ray, but yeah, I don't know if I'd have him in the greatest the list of greatest enforcers, but Ray created the fighting technique where players removed their jerseys and shoulders. Well, he didn't invent that, but he perfected it, maybe, uh, to prevent their opponents from grabbing a hold of them. Ray used 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 his practice to enormous success during his career until the practice was banned. Even after his namesake technique was banned, Ray continued his dominance as one of the game's best enforcers. Ray did Ray got better, actually, in my opinion, when the jersey stayed on. Of course, again, he was getting older and growing into the role as well, right? You get, just get better with time, but um, yeah. Ray finished his career with 241 fights and led the league in penalty minutes during two seasons. His 13 fights against Ty Domi are some of the most brutal fights in the history of the league and a a stunning example of the lengths enforcers are willing to go to. Yeah, that that 13 fight series with Domi is awesome and those are great fights and yeah, I love Rob Ray. He's great. I, you know, I wouldn't have him in my top 20, but, um, yeah, I, I dig him though. Ray was cool. Top 10. Here we go. Stu Grimson, number 10. Well, Grimson was the NHL's heavyweight champion of the 90s. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing I was going to talk about. Yeah, I won't bother. But heavyweight champion in the 90s. Grimson took all comers during his time playing. Grimson had a career-long rival with Rob Probert, and the two squared off 12 times. Probert enjoying the majority of the wins, but Grimson also earned a few victories himself. Yes, he did. Contrary to, I mean, Stu brought that up in his book, he, how many times he fought Probert, and he did say he had some multiple wins against him. Well, multiple meaning more than two, right? And he did fight him 12 times. Um, going back and looking, I mean, you know, it depends how you score fights, and everyone's different. Taking your Homer goggles off, I'm not con- ta- talking about the people in the Probert group that, you know, he never beat the king, and he still got hit in the head too many times and all these ignorant assholes. Um, I would probably have Stu win in about three of them. There was a fight in Anaheim, um, one when he was with L.A. I think there's one in, when he was with Chicago, too. Or maybe it was Nashville. I can't remember. Like, like I said, all the fights run together, but Stu did win a couple. But, I mean, Prober definitely got the the bigger percentages of wins in their rivalry, obviously. But um, but when Stu got traded, and when he finally ended up in Hartford Carol, slash Carolina, 
that's when he really started cooking. And, uh, yeah, man, when he was in Anaheim and shit in L.A., he was vicious. Grimson found it. Like, you know, he was a little Bambi when he was in Chicago. But once he got rolling, Stu was a bad dude, man. Yep, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and he had said so much head trauma, he's become a lawyer. Yeah, but these fucking idiots in the Enforcer group got to talk shit about, not the Enforcer group, pardon me, the Bob Probert fan group. You know, we're just, ugh. Number nine, Joe Koser. Koser fought 217 times in his NHL career, best known with the Red Wings. Intimidating figure with a devastating right hand. Um, yeah, it, you know what? And it would have been interesting to see um, if, if Joey didn't have the hand injuries, the hand issues that he had, how much, you know, how many more fights would he have been in? That would have been interesting. Give Joey Koser a, a decent right hand. Yeah. But yeah, it could knock knock dudes out. Um, scary, intimidating guy, and yeah, one half of the of the best tag team and Forcer duo, dual duo. Jesus, how many beers is that uh, ever? Um, yeah, and like I said, I don't have to sell these guys to you guys, the listeners. I mean, you all know who they are, but yeah, I'm just kind of reading the blurbs here, and hey, yeah, Joey, number eight, <laughs> tremendous. Not Tim, Dale Hunter, number eight, Dale Hunter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, Dale Hunter is a great player that you certainly want in your team, but pff, Dale Hunter is one of the most controversial, skilled enforcers in the history of the NHL. Incredibly skilled at the puck, and he earned, yeah, he earned 1,000 points. Hunter also finished with 3,500 penalty minutes, second most of all time. And that's not enough of his villain status. His cheap shot he delivered to Pierre Turgeon earned him a 21-game suspension. Hunter racked up 165 fighting majors during his career. Yeah, including four against Alf Samuelson. Yeah, well, I mean, which is fine. We were all cheering. That was the one time the entire league was cheering for Dale Hunter. But yeah, captain, uh, did it a long time. Grit guy. I mean, you would, you would definitely want Dale Hunter on your team without a shadow of a doubt. There was no way he was an enforcer. I'm actually really surprised he had 165 fights. Um, Definitely a middleweight guy, um, but yeah, Dale Hunter on any enforcer list, no. But definitely a player that you would want on your team without a doubt. But yeah, that, that's like I said, that's the great thing with some of these lists. I mean, yeah, Barnaby, Dale Hunter, top 20 all time. Okay, here we go. Number seven, Rick Tockett. Well, no, I like Tockett. Um, would you call him an enforcer, though? I suppose in his early years, yeah. Well, let's read this here. I don't know how many fights yet. Andrew Lee is one of the most fearsome fighters. Quickly racked up two twenty fight seasons. Developed into one of the game's premier power forward five thirty goal seasons. Despite his newfound abilities, he continued to fight throughout his career, racking up yeah one hundred and seventy three fights. Um, remains the Flyers' all time leader in Gordy. He is the actually the uh, the all time NHL leader in Gordy Howe hat tricks, and uh, yeah. But yeah, great player. Um, should be in the Hall of Fame. I think he's got close to 500 goals, 480 or 90 or something, I believe. Um, but yeah, I mean, came in as kind of a tough guy. Was no, noted for those fists, and uh, um, I mean, I love Rick Talk. He's one of my favorite all-time players. I wouldn't put him on an enforcer list of the top 20. Now, if you wanted to go the top 10 power forwards of all time, of course. But enforcer, no. 
but he had some great fights. And uh, but I mean, he was on flyer teams with like Baruby and Dave Brown and stuff. Yeah, obviously, talk it's not going to be the. Although he fought Probert and stuff, because um, I believe they both headbutted the shit out of each other. Um, you did hell. You didn't want Rick Talk at fighting those guys. You know, that's what Brown and Baruby and them were there for. So, um, but yeah, I love me some Rick Talkett, but I wouldn't have him on the list. Number six, Ty Domi. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely have him. I don't know if I'd have him at six. I don't even know if I'd have Domi in my top ten. Hmm. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to sit down and think about that. Eventually retired with the third most all time, uh, with 274 fights. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, what, you know, what is there to say about, uh, Domi? I mean, when he started with the Rangers, he was a bit of a catcher, and, I mean, he made his name with the Probert thing, but even then, like, yeah, he made his name with the, doing the belt and all that, and the big rivalry with Probert. I'm like, I'm, I still don't think in any of those fights when he was with the Rangers, he ever beat Probert, but he likes to think he did, but whatever. It created great drama. But, uh, yeah, undersized guy, but, I mean, fought everybody, and, yeah, I mean, what more needs to be said about Ty Domi? I mean, yeah, he was one of the best, and again, one of the best uh, enforcers of all time. I mean, just think of, like, when he got to Winnipeg and Toronto and, like, Solani and uh, Sadine and all them, and they never got messed with, um, as far as I remember. And, uh, yeah. Number five, Craig Berube. Well, again, to go back to your list from last week, he was, uh, he was number 15 on your worst list, which was, I mean... Yeah, Ruby. Would I have Ruby in my top ten? No. In this, if I was doing a top twenty, probably. Yes. Ruby entered the NHL with a chip on his shoulder after going undrafted. Really, he went undrafted? That's surprising because he actually had. I'm trying to think, in his last year at junior, he had like thirty some goals, and yeah, Ruby broke into the NHL with the Flyers and quickly established himself as an enforcer by fighting Probert three times. That's another guy throughout the years that actually did pretty good against Probert. Um. She fought the league's best fighters with frequency. Ruby had fought 250 times, retiring with the third most fighting majors of any player and the seventh most career penalty minutes. Ruby currently serves as the head coach. Uh, well, the Flyers here, but obviously with the Blues. But now, um, yeah, what is there to say about Ruby? Lightning fast hands, did it forever. Um, 250 fights. Um, and I'm probably, and I'm guessing where they're getting these numbers from, I bet you it's probably regular season. They're probably not including preseason either. And uh, and you just think, and how many fights do they have in junior? And Yeah, and for those listening, if you want to check out Ruby in junior, I actually have some of his fights. I got a fight with him and Kordik, a really good fight with him and Poshek um, from junior, wearing the Cooperalls, and uh, definitely Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Check it out. Definitely got some Ruby WHL fights on there. And I have some AHL fights when he was with Hershey. Um, in fact, I think I have his very first pro fight. Um, the names escaped me who it was, but yeah, I have some Bruby there too, so you can definitely see a young Chief coming along. But number four, Chris Nyland. Nyland earned the nickname Knuckles by fighting more than every than than every player in NHL history except for Ty Domi. Where did I get? Where did I say third for Ty Domi from? I kind of blurted that out. Oh, penalty minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, really, Nyland's got the most, second most fights. Hmm. Nyland uh, averaged more penalty minutes per game than any other player in history and holds the record for most penalty, minute, penalty minutes in a single game with 42. And he is one of only nine players to pass the 3,000 penalty minute mark. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, what can you say? Knuckles did his job great, uh, you know, especially with those, um, you know, those those uh, real talented uh, Canadians teams in the early '80s. And I mean, he didn't back down. And uh, yeah, and I mean, if you have if if you have, I'm assur- I'm assuming everyone listening to this has, but if you haven't, um, yeah, definitely uh, check out his uh, his uh, bar the uh, his movie his biography. Um, the Last Gladiators. Um, yeah, great movie. Um, I believe it's on Netflix. Actually, check it out if you haven't. Um, and it's funny because growing up, I, I never liked Nylon. I was never a Nylon fan. Um, but after he grew on me as I got older, but and then after I watched that documentary, yeah, I became a big fan. And uh, yeah, no, Nylon was great. I don't know. I, would I have him fourth all time in terms of enforcers? No, but uh, I could see him being on the list. I wouldn't have him that high, though. Number three, Dave Schultz. Mm-hmm. All right. Nicknamed the Hammer, being one of the greatest enforcers in the league in the golden era of the game. Holds the record for most penalty minutes in a season, 472. Won a couple cups. Um, NHL season, while racking up seven 10-fight seasons, including two 20-fight seasons. Um, yeah, he... Um, yeah, I mean, he really ushered it in, the enforcer role, really. I mean, I mean, Ferguson was always looked at as the first enforcer, but um, when Schultz came in with the Flyers and they did the whole Broad Street Bully thing, I mean, you could really point to him as a as a, as a real pioneer in terms of that role and, and that, like, nuclear weapon that it's sent out to take care of guys. And uh, Schultz is a decent player, too. Like, he wasn't just some two-shift meathead. I mean, he had 20-goal seasons. I mean... Yeah, Schultz could play, but I mean, he knew his role, and and uh, yeah, and the flyer, and he he did well with the Flyers. Um, I actually a lot better fighter than people give him credit for. I mean, I know he has his distractors, and people don't like him, and oh, this guy kicked his ass, and Gillies kicked his ass, and blah blah blah. And, well, everyone loses. I know, I know, everyone loves to li- hype up the Larry Robinson took care of him, and oh, Larry Robinson killed the myth of the hammer. It's like, oh, go back and watch the fight. It's like. He trips on a stick and whatever. No. Now I'm not saying Schultz won the fight, but let's calm down and the Larry Robinson destroyed him. Like, come on. But yeah, he, um, yeah. The hammer. I get it. Again, would I have him number three all time? No. But in terms of, like, impact, like if we're changing up the criteria and stuff and just impact on the game and the role, yeah, for sure. Number two, Bob, really, Bob Probert's number two. All right. Well, all right away, that'll be, don't tell the, don't tell the fan club. Holy shit, they'll riot. Well, number two, there's no, oh, okay. They have Bob Probert number two and just no write-up. All right. Well, then who's, I mean, what, I don't need to sell anybody on Bob Probert, but who's number one? Hmm. Tiger Williams, number one. Is that because he's all-time pen? Tiger Williams, the all-time penalty minute leader with 3,900. That number that will likely remain for the rest of time. Yes, it will. Williams was a capable contributor on the offensive end. Yes, he was. He's a very good player. Excellent power forward. But he excelled when it came to fighting and racking up fighting majors at an alarming pace. Williams finished his career with 246 total fights and enjoyed a rivalry with Terry O'Reilly that spanned five fights. Williams led the NHL in penalty minutes three times during his career, always eager to prove his toughness often against larger opponents. Despite all this, his most significant con- contrib- <laughs> contribution to the game came 
with the invention what with his invention of riding the stick celebration well I don't I don't know like when you say Tiger Williams I don't riding your stick I don't know if it's the first thing people think of but okay but there we go Tiger Williams the the number the greatest in fighter in NHL history according to sportster.com um no I always never thought Tiger Williams was that much of a fight now will, willing as shit obviously and would fight everyone and didn't care and you know whatever but I never actually thought Tiger was that great of a fighter when you watch. I mean, a lot of wrestling and whatever. I mean, people get brush your shit. Um, but a great player, 30-some goals, a bunch of seasons. And, yeah, I mean, you definitely want him on your team. And, um, yeah, I'm not knocking Tiger that way. He was a, he's a power forward. Uh, you go back and look at his numbers. They were they were amazing. But, uh, yeah, uh, but uh, number, great greatest fighter in NHL history? No. He was not. But thank you, sir, uh, Matthew, for sending that list. Um, and those, well, both those lists. That was, that was fun to scroll through and uh, it makes for uh, interesting conversation. I know the uh, the listeners seem to enjoy it. And um, yeah, something to talk about anyway. And uh, I don't know if we need to send the author hate mail or anything, but um, I would assume he's probably a younger guy and... Uh, or clearly not a real diehard fight fan, more on the periphery. Because um, uh, it, it's like, I, I think your, your your first 10 should have been your second 10. And uh, I mean, there was, you, could, you should have swapped a lot of the names in the rankings around. But uh, And then, of course, with your Barnaby and Hunter and stuff like that in there. But uh, yeah, it was amusing. And uh, no, thank you for sending that. And I always enjoy that. And it was fun to... Uh, Fun to go through that. And, uh, yeah, if anybody else out there listening has some... If you come across a list sometime, you know, best Canuck fighters or whatever, send it my way. We'll definitely talk about it on the air. I like doing that. So that was fun. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, guys, it's been an hour and a bit, so I'll get out of here in my rambling. I don't even know if I made sense in my whole rambling of the NHL referee system, but like I said, we're cracking Bud Lights here and sitting in the fan after a hot day. So, you know, bear with... Cut me some slack, but uh, anyway, we'll get out of here. Uh, like I said, every Wednesday is interview day around here. Most of the time, if I can get somebody, I've been pretty successful lately getting people, and uh, look forward to bringing you an interview and uh, on the Wednesday. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you then. So thank you very much for tuning in, and uh, have a good rest of your weekend. Or if you're starting the work week, let's get after it. And I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?